Experience the joy of running in the new Triumph 22 from Saucony, the original running brand. Stacked with luxury foam cushioning, Triumph 22 turns miles into smiles with the ultimate blend of comfort and energy return. Shop Triumph 22 at Saucony.com. That's S-A-U-C-O-N-Y.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent. Being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica, empathy is our best policy. In my adult life, I don't have very many close friends, if any. It's more surface level. For me, it's like okay, going out, going out to lunch, seeing them in public places. It's safe because they don't know really where I live or haven't came over or don't know the day-to-day struggles. It's they see the happy me, right? And it's really Mm -hmm. hard for me to open up and share struggles that I'm having because I'd rather just deal with them alone. I'm Deanna Farron, a licensed marriage and family therapist. This is a show where I speak with anonymous guests every week about challenges they're facing. I'm the author of the national best-selling book, The Origins of You, which explores how to break family patterns so that you can liberate the way you live and love. I hope what you hear today helps you as you go through your own journey. Our guests are anonymous. Names and other personally identifiable details within their stories may be changed or excluded. Conversations with participants are limited consultations. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It is for informational purposes only. Today, I'm speaking with Anne. That's her alias. She is in a new relationship, and it is scary. All of the alarms are going off that want to keep her far away from closeness and intimacy. It's hard for her to show emotion with this new partner, to need him, to trust that he won't abandon her. And this feels really hard for her to believe because when she was younger, she was abandoned. After her parents' divorce, Anne started to use alcohol and drugs as a way to escape her sadness. There was a part of her that really wanted her mom to inquire and get curious about what Anne was actually feeling. But what happened instead was that she was kicked out of the home at 13 and told to go live with her father. Anne has struggled to trust that people care about what she's feeling, care to know her, like really know her, and trust that people can make space for the good, the bad, and the ugly. She's been sober for the last decade, and as I mentioned, is currently in a new relationship with someone who has shown her that he wants to know her and understand what she's feeling. Although parts of this feel good, this unfamiliar territory often has her getting closer and then wanting to move further away for fear of being abandoned. What happens in our conversation is really special. Trust isn't something you can think your way to. It's something you have to feel your way to. So recently, what's been coming up for me is the trust issues of not being able to trust others, whether it's in an intimate relationship or a friendship just that part of me that comes up and 
detaches or is avoidant once I start having a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. Would you say that this with trust is something that you've noticed about yourself for a long time? Would you say like trust was something that you struggled with early on? Or did you notice a shift in your relationship with trust as an adult or maybe more recently? It's something I pretty positive has been going on since I was younger. You know, between you and I, I have done recently some somatic experiencing so therapy, so I've kind of been working through some of that. Has there been anything that's been powerful that's come up for you in the SE? Yeah, so I just got done with some parts work. So mm-hmm. realizing where that trust issue stemmed from was a core wound from when I was, you know, using drugs and alcohol at a young age and my mother kicked me out. And I would say it probably started about 13 years old and I'm 34 now. But I didn't really realize that's what it was until I started doing the work. So 13 was when you started using drugs and alcohol, but it was also the time that you got kicked out? Yes. Same t- same year? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that experience. Like, okay, you turned towards drugs and alcohol, and maybe you have some insight as to what that was about. So my parents um, got divorced at about 10, or when I was 10. And so there was a big shift, right? I grew up in a Catholic family, pretty normal. Mom stayed home. Dad traveled. It was pretty reliable, right? It was pretty normal, you know, what we thought was normal. And mom was always home. We were on schedule. We had routine. And then they decided to part ways from some infidelity that happened with my dad and my mom. And so my mom, we moved and it was back and forth. Was it you, just you and your mom, or did you have siblings with you? I have an older sister, a twin brother, and a younger sister. Okay. So all of the kids went with mom? Yes. And then our new boyfriend, which became my stepdad, came in to play. And my mom just kind of wasn't there really emotionally anymore. She was kind of, I would say, interested in her own happiness. And going from Catholic school to public school was a big culture shock, if you will. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot more doors opening of friends that were smoking pot and drinking after dances. And, you know, with the lack of supervision with mom and dad not really being present, I kind of started drinking and using. And so instead of my mom really being there, she kicked me out and said, you can go live with your dad. So Mm -hmm. kind of... um, a big shifting point, right? I was not welcome at her house anymore. Yeah. Was it just you who got kicked out? At that time, yeah. Yeah. Something changed in you when you you shared that? I know, like you said, it was 13 and now you're 34 and there's some years in between there, but I imagine that there's still some feelings. Oh, just now I got tense and kind of, (laughs) when you asked me if it was just me, kind of, yeah, it was... um, My shoulders got all tense and I just kind of got tight and kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, Yeah. and beautiful noticing. It's incredible that you can sort of feel into and see the shift in your own self too, right? It's like, yeah, when you asked if it was just me and the answer is yes, or at least for, you know, a period of time, it it sounded like you were insinuating that maybe someone else left or, or got kicked out later on. But 
I am curious about that experience for you, you know, 13-year-old you who, as you framed it, right, it's like mom shifted into really being focused on her own happiness, which probably meant that you didn't feel like she was deeply connected to you and maybe what you needed and the big transitions that everyone was going through. And there was a big shift that happened. And, you know, what about my happiness? You know, what about my sadness? Right? What about me? And then, you know, the first sign of quote unquote trouble, right? It's like you're out. And maybe that's not what you needed. Uh, I'll go out on a limb there uh, and say maybe that's not what you needed. And I am curious if, you know, you can think back a little bit, feel back a little bit to, you know, 13-year-old you and what it was like to to get kicked out and, yeah, like le- not only leaving her, but like leaving your system of humans, right? These are your siblings. I don't know how close you were to them, but but still, right, this was, you know, this was the home that you knew and, Okay, that first sign of trouble, you're you're gone, you're out, I can't deal with you, I don't know how to deal with you, I don't know how to be with this, so you gotta go. What's coming up for you in in talking about this with me and you know, just kind of sinking into it? Just, you know, frustration, that feeling of abandonment. You know, my older sister did leave prior to that, but that was on her choice. She went to live with her friend. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, there goes my sister. And then my mom just I think at the point maybe was done hands up and just wanted to give in so it wasn't a good feeling at all especially since the drugs and alcohol progressed right because it was something i was able to turn to with my friends when i had no one really even stopping me at that point what did you need from the adults what did you need from your mom at that time support you know um guidance the emotional connection of, hey, maybe just, you know, asking what I was going through at that time to be doing such those things, you know, that's pretty young to be smoking pot and drinking on a regular basis, you know, it's not like. What do you think we would have found if, if she had asked that question? Sadness, pain, you know, hurt, not being noticed. Yeah, because at the time, none, neither parent asked us how we felt or gave us any support or got us into therapy to kind of see, you know, how breaking up the home affected us. Right. Yeah, we're having experiences here, too. Yeah, we're feeling things here, too. And we need you or I need you to tune into me. Yeah. You know, some validation that my feelings were normal, being hurt or sad. Yeah. You had mentioned trust before, that you struggle with it, and or thinking about how, you know, all of this plays into the struggle with trust that you feel today. And maybe tell me a little bit more about, you know, the ways in which you see yourself struggling with trust, you know, trusting 
other people, trusting yourself, trusting, like allowing people to get close to you, vulnerable intimacy, you know, give me a little bit of the details of of what that actually looks like in, you know, in the day-to-day right now, because I want to understand how, you know, what I think is a breach of trust early on in your life maybe is still sort of playing out or has a has a grab on the wheel of your life right now? Yeah, so it's just like in my adult life, I don't have very many close friends, if any. It's more surface level. For me, it's like, okay, going out, going out to lunch, seeing them in public places, it's safe because they don't know really where I live or haven't came over or don't know the day-to-day struggles that they see the happy me, right? And it's really mm-hmm. hard for me to open up and share struggles that I'm having because I'd rather just deal with them alone. Yeah, well, I'm going to tweak that. I've learned to deal with them alone. Inside of you actually is this person who craves actually for people to be curious and inquire. You've learned to deal with it alone. And so that's familiar and probably comfortable for you. But, you know, in a separate breath, not too long ago, right, you were telling me I wanted my parents to ask, right, to like actually see past the facade or to see, you know, what might have been like this acting out behavior, right, and to be like, hey, this is a little abnormal, right? Like what's going on? And so I hear you right now speaking about, you know, friends and saying, oh, yeah, I, I'd, I, don't, I don't need it. No, no, no. You, you've gotten used to it, right? And, and I want to make space for the part that probably does crave for it but feels really scared to put that out there and, you know, not know whether or not people can show up in that space or hold it or hear it or tend to it. Does that feel right? <laughs> Spot on. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, we know over here is what is comfortable and familiar for you. But there's also a part of you that, yeah, probably aches for that closeness, but just does not know how to initiate it and trust it and like give it a shot. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. In a new intimate relationship I'm in, just in the last six months, he's very healthy, very secure, asked me how I'm feeling, and I'm always resulting back to the answer or saying, fine, when he can tell I'm not. And kind of pushing through to tell him how I'm really feeling is very foreign. So what you just said makes sense because in my body, I had told my therapist, I felt like almost like I was crawling out of my skin, which sounds really extreme. (laughs) But when I was actually explaining to him how I was feeling, it was like, I'm ready to run. But he drove, so I can't even leave in my own car. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it was just like sitting with that uncomfortability of taking, I guess, a risk. I don't know how you would say that. Like, kind of, I say like take a risk or a chance because 
this part of me is like, it's going to be messed up anyways, or we're not going to last very long, or he's going to do something to mess it up. So why bother? But then there's this other part of me that's like, just tell him you're having a really good time. It's okay to let him know that you're having a really good time or you're feeling kind of sad because of this. So it's just trying to push through that uncomfortability. Yeah, right. This part that's trying to learn that someone might actually care or have some type of interest in the good, the bad, the ugly. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I'm having a great time. Amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Oh, I'm really sad. Oh, how come? Tell me more. Right. Like yeah. that part that's like, ah, like I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about this. I don't know how to do this. Right. It's like the little Bambi legs. Yeah. <laughs> it's like standing up for the first time and you're just super wobbly. I love what you said, right, about risk taking. And I agree we have to take risks. Ideally, we I, I call it the like eyes wide open risk taking, um, where it's like, yep, yeah, look around, you know, and and scan your environment. Right, this isn't just about throwing ourselves into the fire, but yeah, things are going to feel uncomfortable for us when we're trying something that is deeply unfamiliar, and when if there is a, you know, feared consequence as a possibility, right? Like in some ways that does feel like he's, uh, I'm crawling out of my skin. Like it feels like death sometimes, yeah. right? Yeah. And if we don't take risks ever, right, then we just stay in the same spot. And, you know, that's certainly a path that, that we can choose, but there's something about you leaning into some of this risk-taking to give yourself a chance at being seen and being known and being understood and being connected to. I saw you, yeah, like you shifted your face a little bit when I said being known. And I wonder what that word elicits within you, right? to be known. What, what comes up for you there? Well, it's kind of funny because I just had this conversation this morning with my current partner about I'm constantly always there for others. And mm. and it's like a pattern, right? Because I think I've allowed it for so long. Nobody's ever, like the people in my family are calling to check on me, right? And so I'm so used to putting my needs last that... Mm being known would be a completely new thing for me and it is yeah. and with him too because he's always checking in with me and so i always have this attitude of like oh it doesn't matter oh it's fine or i, I don't know yeah that part <laughs> is the self-protective part yeah i'm fine don't worry about it yeah. push it away You're like, get away from it. it's like no, no no you don't need to know me it's too risky all right, so let, like, let's shut it down and, you know, push that part away. You're, you're in this really interesting sort of dynamic with it, right? Because you have this awareness where you're like, oh, I see this part, but I got to challenge this part and I have to bring, yeah, my vulnerability for it. And I, I, can, I can really feel you and hear you challenging yourself to, to try, you know, this part of you that's like, okay, well, he's asking, so... I'm going to try to tell yeah. you this and I'm, and I'm going to give it a shot. And it sounds like 
so far in this relationship, maybe what you have been able to offer has been received okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's that feel like for you? Foreign. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it gives me hope. And Mm -hmm. again, it's just like you said, the awareness and just noticing the stability of the relationship and noticing that, you know, it's just taking baby steps. Kind of like you said, Bambi, right? Like if it continues to happen, it kind of validates that it's okay to do it. So I'm getting comfortable on repeating the feelings or I cried in front of him a couple of weeks ago. And that was, I was trying, he could tell that I was upset And instead of driving away and taking off and then crying in my car, I kind of cried with him and getting that comfort from him was, again, in your body, you know, you feel like you just kind of, it's hard to sit with because you're not used to that. And so um, I talk with my therapist that it's a win that I sat with him and cried. Yeah. And I'm like, but it didn't feel good. And she's like, well, (laughs) it will when it starts reinforcing that it's okay to co-regulate with somebody it's norm it's actually a really normal healthy thing to do but it's been so hard again because i'm so used to doing it alone yeah what didn't feel good that he's seen me crying i guess because if he sees me crying what will happen is He'll know that I'm not tough <laughs> or he'll know that, that I get sad. And if he knows that I get sad, then? He'll see a vulnerable side of me that most people don't. Yeah. And if he sees me, then? If he sees me, then it's a weakness, kind of. Hmm. For whom? What's there? I think it's kind of like if he were to see me needing him, mm. you know, in that comfort or when I'm feeling sad or vulnerable, it's again that back to trust. And I have to trust him with that stuff. And yeah. it feels scary to need someone. It does. And it's, When you have that belief that they're going to be gone anyways, it's just really hard. Yeah. It feels scary to need someone. And when I say need, you know, I want to be careful about, I I don't use that language as, you know, codependency language, right? I use that as like, yeah, like a relational, healthy need of human beings in our lives, right? Yeah, it's okay to hug every once in a while, right? <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> Maybe even more than a little once in a while. Yeah. But it feels scary to need someone. I needed people before, badly, and they weren't there. Yeah, I needed my mom. I needed my dad. Yeah. And they weren't available. 
It can feel really hard to believe or trust that someone else is going to be able to do that, right? Like when our own parents can't do it. Absolutely right. Yeah. Let's take one last break. We'll be right back. it's easy to get focused on the outcome you know meaning like you said he's maybe he'll leave right a relationship will end and i think sometimes you know the way that we negotiate or bargain with ourselves is that okay i'll i'll do this right but as long as it's like only worth it if the person stays yeah you know because i feel like it's like the belief of it'll just be a waste of time or um, it's inevitable. It's like, why get attached or used to this secure relationship if I don't know what, I, you know, it's crazy because I don't even know what the outcome would be. And maybe it, I could be with this somebody for the rest of my life. And so it's like that battle within, it's like, give a little and then take back a little, like kind of like you had said earlier about my awareness, right? And then when I'm doing better at doing it, then I kind of, it's like take some steps back because I'm like, okay, wait, this is getting way too good to be true. Yeah. Protection, protection, protection. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like the little parts come in and they're like, no, don't you do that. We need to backpedal and work ourselves out of this connection and this closeness and this intimacy that we're feeling, right? Because if that gets taken away or stripped away, it's going to be too hard, right? Yeah, too hard. The stripping away, right? The, The taking away of something from you. Do you have any thoughts about that? Right? Like, okay, you can get kicked out of your home at any time. Okay, maybe, maybe there's something there. But I'm, I'm also wondering about past relationships or... Yeah, so before I met this current relationship, I was married for nine years. And okay. we've known each other for 20, on and off. We have a 17-year-old son together. Hmm. So it's, you know, been on and off with... Both of us have addiction issues. I've been clean and sober 10 years, and he never really was. So in 2020, 2021, during COVID and stuff, there was some infidelity. Him and another woman, and that relationship continued. And and then ultimately, we were going to get a divorce, and then... Um, we tried to work on the marriage and I actually ended up losing him in in September of 22. Hmm. So not only did I lose him to another woman, he did end Hmm. up dying. Yeah. Yeah. Your emotion's okay here if you want to to have it. I can hold it. 
wasn't a sickness or an accident. It was very traumatic. Yeah. He was, like I said, active in his addiction lifestyle and was murdered. And that happened at the end of September of 2022. Yeah. Yeah, so much emotion there and so much complexity. So many years together, decades together, a child with this person, your own individual pain, right, of navigating the infidelities and and then trying to figure out if there's a way back to one another and then to have this event, this traumatic event take place and there not being any conversations to have, any closure. You mentioned this earlier. You mentioned the absence of choice before. When your mom kicked you out, you were talking about your older sister who you know had left the home, um, but she did on her own volition. And I'm listening to you tell this part of your story and thinking about how in this space too, you know, there wasn't choice either. Yeah, there's just so much emotion, you know, like you said, with the infidelity and betrayal and trust and that happened and it's just so much left unsaid. Yeah. There's a lot of pain and different emotions there altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is something that has been left unsaid that you haven't been able to say out loud? It was like, what did I do to deserve the way he treated me? How did you feel in the marriage? And I know that there's a lot of history there, and Mm -hmm. so there's probably lots of different feelings, but... Betrayed, walked on, used. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this obviously plays into trust, These betrayals, yeah, impact the way that we relate to trust in a big way you know in this part of you that oh is so bravely trying to put your heart back out there connect with someone be intimate with someone trust that they can hold what you bring forward and yeah risk it but hope that they're not going to just go running in the other direction, that they're not going to leave. And I think I was saying this before, right? This idea of, oh, you know, is it only worth it if the relationship works or, you know, we were together for the rest of our lives? Or, and that part's the tricky part, right? Because it's like, it's, it's the unknown, right? We don't, we don't know. We don't have an idea of how long it will, will go, how far it will go, right? And so we try to make these, you know, bargains of it with without that information. And so sometimes 
the shift for us is that your victory is in being able to share parts of yourself that you would normally hide or close down little by little. That that is your ultimate victory regardless of what the outcome may or may not be. Right, because the alternative is something I really don't want either. Yeah, the alternative is what you already know. Mm-hmm. Right, like the alternative is what you have lived in many ways. This is a bold declaration from you, right, to put yourself out there so bravely. I really mean that. I'm really struck by you have every reason in the world to not do it. And I see that part of you that is like, okay, I'm going to grit my way through. I'm going to try it, right? And it's remarkable. It really is. It really is, right? And I think that that focus for you, right, is that the alternative is what you know, and you know what that feels like. You know what that is already. And even though this might scare the heck out of you, this act over and over and over again of leaning in and just bringing a little bit more out, right? That's your revolution. What happened there for you? You felt something. I just took a deep breath and I just thank you for your kind words because I know that it's going to be a beautiful thing if I keep leaning into the small wins because I feel like eventually it's going to be freeing. Yeah. And these things that I think we call small wins are like massive. They're actually massive, massive steps, right? They might present to the outside world as like teeny tiny, <laughs> but they're not, you know, but they're not, right? When we have the context, we're like, holy, that is the giantest of steps. Yeah. Yeah, you're doing it. <laughs> and I think, you know, maybe a bit of grace for yourself, Right, is like when you notice yourself doing that little dosy do where you're like, okay, a few steps forward and now a few steps back. And you know, you, you're like, uh uh-uh, uh, we got, right? Like, I think there is something about seeing that part that's like, uh uh-uh, uh 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 uh, let's shut it down. Let's, let's back our way out of it. And you're like, I see you. I get it. I understand why you want to do that. Right. And I'm going to just pull us back into a little bit more and a little bit more a little bit more, right? Because what you've been telling me is that this partner so far, right, has really shown the signs of being able to hear what you have to say. And whether that's you expressing your joy and your excitement and, you know, there's a lot of vulnerability in being able to say like, I like you and I like this and this is, yeah, like I, I'm feeling really good here. And there's also a lot of vulnerability in saying, I am sad and I'm struggling with something. And I want you to know what this felt like for me, whether that has to do 
with him or whether that has to do with something from your past that you want him to understand, right? But I think there's that part that keeps facing the other part that wants to pull back. Yeah. I don't think you have recognized how much you've been doing. (laughs) I do underplay it a little bit. (laughs) You underplay it. Yeah. What's it like to bring that part forward? The part that is underplaying it? Mm-hmm. Sometimes I annoy myself because I feel like I don't give myself enough credit. Yeah. Can you give yourself some credit? Let's hear what it would sound like if you actually gave yourself appropriate credit. I don't need you to blow it out of proportion and make it something it isn't, but right, like, can you give yourself appropriate credit? I would say that I've been doing a pretty kick-ass job just keeping moving forward, um, (laughs) considering all the circumstances I've been dealt, if you will. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. And see how alive you come, right? I have been doing a pretty kick-ass job. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How can we make sure that you don't withhold that from yourself? Right? The good, the bad, the hard, right? Like we said before, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, right? To reveal to another. But what does it look like, right? To make sure that we're not withholding that from ourselves too. To celebrate ourselves, to acknowledge it, right? The great parts too. We need that. We do. I do. (laughs) I do. That's right. Yeah. What are you feeling right now? A lot has shifted from where we started to where we are right now. What are you noticing? I'm feeling relieved, calm, and gaining some confidence around it. Mm -hmm. And why do you think you've gained confidence through our conversation so far? What do you think has happened here? Hearing again from someone else that I'm doing the work and give myself some credit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why do you trust me, though? Right, because I'm, you know, okay, hearing from someone else that they see this too, and okay. But why trust me? How do you know to trust me? You know, the first thought that comes to mind is because you're somebody well-educated around the process. We're in a safe place. How come we're in a safe place? What makes this safe? Good question. Yeah. Part of why I'm challenging this is that I don't want you to think your way through this part, right? Okay, she's educated and she she knows how to have these conversations. Maybe. Maybe that's part of it. You're like, okay, I respect this person and fine. Okay. But I don't know that it's that. I want you to tap into what it is that you are feeling. What is the sense 
that you get from this? Right? Why trust me? Why trust what I'm saying? What do you feel from me? I feel like it's coming from a genuine caring place. I feel and trust that you won't use what I'm saying against me. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel seen by me? I feel seen and heard. Yeah. I think a lot of what you've just said is really important. And I know that that question took you by surprise a little bit. Like, oh yeah, like why, why do I trust yeah. you? You know, <laughs> wouldn't know each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that that is the power of what happens when we feel seen and heard and understood by someone. That when that happens, I can then trust you. Right? And there's a part where you're like, I don't, I, I don't believe that you're going to use this against me. And you know, maybe I feel like you care about what we're talking, right? Maybe some of those things too. Right? But there's something really beautiful that that I think happens naturally, even when two strangers come together, mm. where you're like, oh, I can trust what you're saying. I can receive that. I can accept that because I felt you see me. I felt you connect to me. I felt you understand me. Okay. That's pretty, pretty dead on. It feels good that you're even, when you're even saying it, because that is a reality. We did just meet, and I do share stuff with strangers in passing when I feel seen. Right. And isn't that what's incredible? Because in order for that to have happened, you had to share something with me. And that's why you're here, you know, to some degree, right? It's like, you know, you said, but these conversations, they can go lots of different ways, right? And something happened where you let yourself be seen by me. And everything changed within you, your body. I know people can't see you, but everything shifted, right? From the beginning to where we are in that process, the smile on your face, mm -hmm. right? The part of you that, you know, started to light up. And so I think that that piece feels so important. One, yes, you are doing it. Yes. And please continue to give yourself the credit that is really deserved there. But also, right, that hmm, in order to trust, right, I do have to risk letting myself be seen. Yeah. Right. yeah. Right. I cannot close myself off and shut these parts down and also experience trust. Yeah. And like I said, eyes wide open. We don't have to do this with everyone. Right. <laughs> Not everyone is deserving of it. Not everyone has capacity for it. Not every, right, all of that, right? But what you're doing right now is incredible work. Thank you. Yeah. So feeling into what happened here, I think is just such a beautiful 
not just experience, right? But I think just the takeaway of like that lived um, practice experience of like, oh yeah, I just I just trusted what you said because because you saw me. Mm. Yeah. Good. So we're gonna come to a to a close here soon, but just wanna open it up to you for any final thoughts or reflections or you know anything that's right there for you i just want to say thank you and that really did open my eyes that you did the question did throw me off right <laughs> why do you trust yeah. me I'm like yeah geez that's a good question <laughs> to realize and have that kind of aha moment that it was just mm-hmm. as simple but as huge realization of just being seen it was a beautiful thing it is normally when i reflect on the conversation i just had i talk about what the guest and i spoke about maybe some takeaways and some important pieces. Today is a little bit different. Something happened in our relationship, right? Something played out between us that feels important to name and acknowledge further. Early on in the conversation, Anne was talking about her struggle with trust, but her growth or her aha moments didn't necessarily come from anything that I said or described or explained to her, right? It came from something she felt from me, even if she hadn't realized it in the moment. I know you couldn't see Anne, but what I saw was a woman who shifted dramatically from where we started and all the way through. I saw a woman who lit up when I acknowledged her, a woman who smiled when she felt heard and seen and understood by me, a woman who then was willing to trust my thoughts about her. Simply put, trust in another can happen when one feels deeply seen and recognized by that person. And because Anne felt that from me, she was able to believe what I was saying about her, which ultimately motivated her to continue sharing parts of herself little by little with me. I think this experience is an invitation for her to continue the work that she's already doing. A validation, if you will, that she's on the right path if she just sticks with it. I hope what you heard today was helpful. If you like the show, tell your friends and loved ones to listen. It would also mean so much to me if you could rate and review This Keeps Happening on Apple Podcasts. This Keeps Happening is hosted by me, Vienna Farron. This episode was produced by Anita Flores. Our engineers are Jared O'Connell and Brendan Burns. Our theme music is by Casey Holford. Our managing producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana from Stitcher Studios, Keith O'Connell, and Will Rogers from Soundbite Entertainment. Stitcher.